You know, there's not a safer place to be than surrendered and humbled before the feet of Jesus, laying down, surrendering over and over. And I know right now you're like, but I do that. I surrender over and over and over and over and over again throughout the course of my whole life. And you know what? He is good with that. He will never get tired of hearing you surrender and confess and humble yourself before his throne. So I can say this, church, there is no safer place to be than at the foot of Jesus Christ. Hey, go ahead and have a seat. I need to do some cleanup here because we have Bibles and notes. need to make room for this. (laughs) Well, here we go. We were, as we were talking about what this Sunday morning would look like, um, there is so much to celebrate. And when you see God at work in the life of church, uh, there's really nothing more to declare on that Sunday because he is proving himself faithful over and over again. At the same time, when we said, what, when people come to Summit Church, what is the thing that they, they declare most about? The thing, one of the things they appreciate most about this church, and it's the strong declaration of the Word of God. So while we have been able to see this morning God at work through the lives of Jasper and Sam and Becky and Vicki and Craig, while we have seen him at work in the lives of these as they have, he has blessed us through their lives in this church, well, we want to make sure we declare the word of God as well um, because we believe that Jesus being the foundation, he is the word, and you have heard it already said, we will declare him um, every Sunday we come together, and it's supposed to be in the life of every small group in this church, the declaration of God's word. So that's what we're going to do. But before we do that, we're going to seek his favor as we open his word together, and let's pray. Father, we do come before you right now, and we are so very thankful for the safety that comes for the one who humbles himself or herself and, and, and takes a place at your feet. Father, as we come to you now, we present our request to you, asking and trusting that you are going to respond to them in accordance with your good and perfect will for our lives. Lord, we're so thankful that you have ears to hear and a heart to receive our requests. And so, Lord, um, as we open your word now, we pray that you would pour your Holy Spirit out on each one of us, Lord, that your word would penetrate the heart of each one that hears, and uh, Lord, that you would be the one to declare your word. May I not be a distraction to it, and uh, so we seek your kingdom's coming and your will being done in the life of this church, and we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, so for a couple of months now, uh, well, more than that, we as elders have gone to the Lord asking, Lord, what do you have next for us? As we saw, as we saw uh, over the past half a year or so, even beyond a, the potential of a transition coming in our kids' ministry, we began to seek the face of the Lord. And what, we, what are we going to do with that, Lord? And so we pl- placed at his feet and, and worked hard to remain patient as he provided for us. Same thing, as you look at Jasper moving into the role of elder, yes, he has been declaring the word of God, um, but there are also other things that are at work in my heart, in his heart, 
and the way uh, we help shepherd and oversee this church, places and areas of ministry that need more attention. And so we're like, Lord, how are we going to free Jasper up to do some of these things that we're seeing, um, more preaching in particular? Because as you watch him Sunday after Sunday, it is clear that the Lord has anointed him to declare his word. And so that's one of the things. Another thing, I sit and I watch people like it's a parade in and out of his office, people coming to him to seek counsel. And for real, if you're one of them, you're one of the parade. And I have to get after Jasper. You get, you're going to have to say no sometimes because there are other things that need to happen. You know, set your watch and say, okay, next is coming and you need to be. But Jasper has such a strong heart for, for counseling and it's revealed in those that continue to come for him, uh, come to seek counsel from him. And so we see the Lord at work there. We ask and we wait patiently on the Lord um, to provide for us as he sees fit and in accordance with his time. But that's not always easy, is it? Trusting that he's going to do it in a way that we find acceptable and in a timing that he finds um, acceptable. So I want you to think about this. When you were a child, think, what's the biggest request you had ever made of your parents? I have to use Mitch, our oldest son, because he would make the most outlandish requests And it didn't end in his childhood. He's like 32 years old now. And when we ask, what do you want for Christmas? The list comes and it starts out with, you know, the the casual things like socks and underwear and maybe a pocket knife. You know, these things that are reasonably affordable. But as his list goes on and it's long, he starts asking for things like, I want this bow that costs 1200 bucks. And we're like, man, you're 32 years old. You're out, of, you're out of the house. We don't do stuff like this, nor did we ever. I think, one, I think one Christmas we bought a PlayStation, and I wonder if the Lord saw that as being wise. But it was like 350 bucks, and you should have seen him jumping like crazy for joy that he actually got a PlayStation. He was like 17 years old at that time. But he'll ask for things like 55-inch TVs with 4K, and on and on the list goes. What's the biggest request you ever made of your parent? Now, who did you go to when you went to your parent to ask for something? If you're anything like me, you are, I am not a son of thunder like James and John that Jesus declared, this is what I'm going to name you. You know those two disciples of his? James and John, the sons of thunder. I'm like them. Hey, mom, would you ask him for a place at your right-hand side and your left-hand side? That was the request of James and John, these sons of thunder, that we would have these special places right next to Jesus. So mom went and said, hey, this is what my kids want. What do you think about that? And he said, that's not for me. That's not for me to decide. That's for the father to decide. And how many times... Did you go to your mom because you think your mom is easier to manipulate to get what you want? And I don't know if you heard the same thing I did, but when I would go to my mom, what would she say? Wait till your father gets home and we'll ask him. What about God? When it comes to approaching him, are you afraid to approach the throne of grace? I ask you this question. If God's gifts are always good, and if God's gifts are only good, why are we often slow, even apprehensive, to approach Him with our requests? 
And I suppose some of you right now, the reason why I'm slow to approach the throne with request is because he doesn't respond the way I think he should, nor do I even think that his responses are good. Well, we know this, church, according to James chapter 1, a number of months ago, James declares this to us about the gifts of God, that every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights that does not change like the shifting shadows. Every gift he gives is good and is perfect. And if, the, and if Scripture declares it to be, then it is so. And so we trust at Summit Church that every gift from him is good, and it is perfect. And so why is it still so hard for us to ask and then trust? Asking sometimes is the easy part, but trusting the outcome, trusting the answer to be good and perfect is not always easy. Well, Jesus has some things to say about that, about we can ask and we can trust And we see it about two-thirds, three-quarters of the way through the most famous sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And let's see what Jesus has to say about that. So turn with me now, if you will, to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to be looking at verses 7 to 11. We're going to see what Jesus has to say about his Father in heaven and how we should approach him. Matthew 7, 7 to 11. So here we go. This is what Jesus says. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. Or which of you, if he asks, Or which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? What does Jesus have to say about approaching God with requests? Two really quick things. I want you to see the heart of Jesus declaring, this is who my Father is. And you can know Him. And you can approach His throne with confidence. He says this, ask. He simply says, ask. Jesus says, you can, you must ask. Look at verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Let me ask you a big question here. What's your impression of God the Father? When you think of God the Father, what do you see? Who do, how do you think? What is your impression of Him? I can tell you this. The Lord has taken 52 years of my life to readjust my thinking about God the Father. Now, my earthly father was, is a gentle and kind man, so I have no idea where I got the impression that God is only the judge. Standing ready sitting on the edge of his throne, standing ready to bring judgment on me for every time I do something wrong. That's the way 
I envisioned. That's the way I saw God the Father. And so, of course, me going to his throne with my requests was not as quick as it should have been. And the Lord has taken much time over the course of my entire life to readjust the way I think of him and see him as our loving, my loving and compassionate and gracious Father. How do you see him? What are your impressions of him? Here's some things that I also wrestle with. God is sovereign. Why would I bring my request to him right now? Why am I slow to bring my request to him? Because he's sovereign. He's going to do it his way anyway. So why even make the prayer? It is true he is sovereign, but it is also true that he wants to hear from us. How about this one? Do you resonate with this one? That he really doesn't even care. He has so much going on right now with the other six, seven billion people on the face of the planet and COVID this and, 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 and leader that and country over here falling apart that he doesn't have time to deal with little old me. He doesn't really care or does he have the time? How about this one? He never gives me what I ask for anyway, so why would I approach his throne and ask him for something I know I'm not going to get? These are big questions we have about him, but what about you before him? Maybe this is something else you wrestle with. Hey, my prayer life is not in order, so I wouldn't expect God to respond to me anyway because I am Mr. I I ask, 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 and I don't have a heart of thanksgiving. And as I realize I don't have a heart of thanksgiving, there's no sense in going to the throne because I'm just a selfish person. How about this one? I am such a mess. Remember, I surrender over and over and over again. My heart is so sick and so black. When I stand in worship and I throw my hands open, all I can see is the dirt on my hands. Why would God ever want to respond to someone like me? A.W. Tozer says this of us. The most important thing about mankind, the most important thought we can have is the thought about who God is. Because when we can think rightly about who God is, that puts us in our right place at his feet, understanding exactly who is. Sometimes I don't pray because I'm lazy, because I believe that I'm sufficient to handle the trouble on my own. Sometimes I lack faith. But listen, here's what we know, that Jesus knows God the Father far better than we do. And these are his words. And he says to us, you can ask. He says, you should seek. And he says, knock, and God will open the door to you. What does Jesus have to say about approaching God with our requests. He says that you can trust his response to be good. So as you ask, you can trust that his response is going to be good. Number one, he responds, ask and you will receive. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, go after the Father. Seek and you will find. He says, knock and the door will be open. Trust that the Father will give He will show the way, and he will open the door. I think of that. The most important thing about us is how we think about God. Look at that progression. Ask. It's simple to ask. 
And Jesus is saying, hey, let's go a little closer. Let's seek and see if we can find God the Father. Now imagine God the Father is sitting in his office, and you see him as the judge, and you go knocking on the door. What do you expect to see when you open the door? The most important thing about us is how we see God. Because I'd be like Jesus. 40 years ago, I'd be like, Jesus, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, number one, I don't want to ask because I'm afraid of what I'm going to get. Number two, I don't want to seek because I really don't want to find what's on the other side of the door. And Jesus says, I want you to knock on the door and I want you to open up and I want you to see who God the Father is and trust that his response to you is going to be so compassionate and loving and gracious. We can do this. Trust me, Jesus says. You can trust his response to be good. can't do it. I've gone too many times, and I made this request. God, heal my wife, and he didn't heal her. God, heal my sons, and he doesn't heal them. God, fix that broken marriage, and it's not fixed. God, restore that relationship, and it's not restored. Well, this is what we know about our God in heaven, that he is faithful and absolutely every decision he makes is for your good and for my good. Every time we approach the throne with a request, there should be, there should be a holy pause. Wait a minute. What am I about to ask? Because as we learned a couple of weeks ago, James says that we quarrel and fight because we don't get what we want. And when we ask, we don't receive because when we ask, we have a desire to spend it on ourselves. And then I think of imagine what I would have missed if I would have had the answers to every prayer I've ever placed at the feet of Jesus. What if everything would have gone exactly the way I wanted them to with God responding in exactly the way I want him to respond. I think about the multitude of things, the blessings that have been overflowing from the hand of God the Father into my life. I would have missed them if he would have done it exactly the way I asked him to. He didn't heal my wife. He hasn't healed my sons. There are relationships that haven't been restored. And I think, I think of the things that I would have missed if he would have responded the way I wanted him to. But today I say, thank you, God, that you responded with all of your wisdom and understanding of past, present, and future. Thank you for responding in a way that has caused me to see your goodness and your greatness in ways I never could have imagined. And then I think about the spiritual growth I would have missed if he wouldn't have permitted those challenges to come into my life. We must, when we approach the throne with this holy pause, trust that God understands what is good better than, what, than we do. Every request we make should be that we would ultimately end up looking more like Jesus, his son. 
He had just declared the Sermon on the Mount. He is wrapping it up, and he has, he has made these, these statements to his disciples saying, I want you to love your enemy. I want you to understand that if you are angry with your neighbor, you have murdered. That if you've looked upon a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery. I don't want you to retaliate as the world retaliates. If someone strikes you on one cheek, you turn and let him do it to the other. These are hard things that Jesus says, if you approach my Father, he will help you take these things, overlay your life with them, and become more like my son, Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate goal. Holy pause. Yes, God is saying, approach me. Jesus is saying, we can approach the throne. You must ask, and then you must trust that he's going to do things in accordance with his good and perfect will. Hey, I have a word. I don't know where to insert this, but as I think about this, I think about how, we are, how our thinking about God the Father is often framed by the fathers that we have here on earth. Jesus says, we are evil. Apart from Jesus Christ, we are evil, yet we still know how to give good things. But here's a word to you fathers. How often have you given your children stones and serpents? I want you to think about how you parent your children. Because as you treat your children, you are helping to frame how they think about who God the Father is. I lament over some of the harsh ways I treated my sons over the years. And praise God, he has worked to adjust their thinking about who God the Father is. But fathers, I want you to think, how often do you give your sons stones and serpents? And a word to those who have been abused by fathers. This is not God the Father. This is your broken, earthly father trying to figure out his way and his place before God, often expressing himself in evil ways. It's harmful. But here's what we know about God the Father. He is gracious because Scripture says so. He is gracious and he is compassionate. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in loving kindness. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, nor does he repay us according to our iniquities. But as high as the heaven is above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. That's God the Father. That's the one that Jesus says, let's go, let's knock on his door and let's go in and have some time with him and place your request at his feet. Church, we can ask and we can trust And that's what Jesus is saying we should and we can do. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it's often my practice to think about the times that Jesus hasn't, that God the Father hasn't given me what I wanted. And so this is what we must do. Constantly rehearse God's goodness. How do you see his goodness being expressed in your life? And I want to talk about three for like three minutes. Number one, God's goodness is expressed through Jesus Christ on the cross, making a way for us to actually come into relationship with God the Father. As we accept the truth of what he did for us, making the way for us to stand righteous before God the Father, he has provided us with our salvation. That's the beginning of God's goodness being splashed all over your life. And we must remember that 
every moment of every day the gospel message of Jesus Christ, the gospel truth of Jesus Christ. And here's another one. I can't imagine doing that without you. I can't imagine rehearsing the goodness of God by myself in a corner somewhere. I love to do it with you. We did it this morning just before the sermon. We sing about it week after week. We do it in small groups, and my encouragement to you is get plugged into a small group where you can together have a heart that is driven to thanksgiving for the goodness of God. The goodness of God is expressed through his salvation, through the fellowship he provides for us together. And then here's the third one. As I think about how forgetful I can be, as I think about how forgetful I can be, I am very thankful that God has instituted the Lord's Supper. He commands us, I want you to remember what I did for you through communion. So I'm going to invite the, uh, the men forward to, um, to pass out the elements, and this is how we're going to wrap the sermon, by remembering Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And as they come down... Jesus did this most amazing thing for us. Already mentioned it. He willingly submitted to God the Father. He walked to the cross. He suffered the most excruciating death imaginable that a man can suffer. He took upon himself the wrath of God the Father. He gave his life up and died also that we could accept the truth of that. And the moment we do, the one who has sacrificed, Jesus Christ, ushers us into relationship with God the Father and makes a way for us to be in relationship with him. And so that's why we do this. We receive the cup, which represents the shed blood of Jesus. And the cracker represents the broken body of Jesus. And as we receive these, we remember the goodness of God at the cross. So whether you are a member of Summit Church or not isn't the issue. The real issue is, are you in right relationship with Jesus Christ? And I say right relationship. Do you have anything that would stand between you and him that needs to be confessed? And so as the elements are being passed out, that's your opportunity to confess to God the Father. And are you in right relationship with each other? And so you need to seek the Lord in his face right now. Is there anything that needs to be resolved between you and someone else? If there is, and you don't have the opportunity right now to resolve that, we would ask that you just let the, the, the elements pass by and seek to make that relationship right before you take communion. And so, man, why don't you come on down and, and uh, they're going to pass the elements out. And as they do, you go before the Lord. You lay your heart at his feet, and then we'll pray just before the, uh, we receive the elements. Amen. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the sacrifice you made by sending your son Jesus to the cross. And that through his death, you made a way for us to be in right relationship with you. Thank you for that. Jesus, thank you so much for being willing to be in submission to God the Father and for going and spilling your blood and breaking your body so that we could be in right relationship with God the Father. Lord, as we receive these elements, 
I pray that you would remind us of the greatness of this sacrifice. And it's in Jesus, your mighty name we pray. Amen. So if you are in right relationship with Jesus and others, take the elements both eat and drink.